You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. And then she kind of trails off and goes, well, I like Frosty the Snowman. <laughs> Welcome to Recotopia, a happy home for recommended movies, shows, and music from two people you can definitely trust. Trustability varies by region, no guarantees implied. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron Dicer and Jeremy Scott. You have the slightest proof of anything. But I have my certainty. And on with that, I'll go to your last parish. And the one before that. If necessary, I'll find a parent. Trust me, Father Flynn, I will. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 90 of Recotopia. We're creeping up on 100, everybody. I am Jeremy Scott. And I'm Dicer. And this week's big recommend, chosen by Dicer, is Doubt, the acting powerhouse movie about faith. Well, all sorts of things. We'll get into it in a little bit, but we like to start out with small recommends. Before we get into the small recommends, I forgot to say hello to our lovely chatters. Thank you for tuning in live, whether you are viewing or listening. Uh, we value uh, your input and your snark. We value the input a little more than we value the snark. But no, I'm just kidding. We love all of it. Um, Aaron, do you have any small recommends this week? It's no big deal. It's so small and light. It's small, it's tiny, it's petite, it's wee. I do. Let's talk first uh, about, uh, by the way, my small recommends over the next bit will likely be awards type movies because that's all I'm watching for like the next two months. Um, mm -hmm. I have about a hundred movies I need to watch by the end of the year. Um, and so I am working my way through them. Some are older, like the two I'm going to talk about today have been out for a while. I just haven't had a chance to see them yet. The first of those is Chevalier. Um, mm. This is uh, available on Hulu. I think if you want to watch it, uh, opens with one of the greatest opening scenes I've ever seen where uh, Mozart is doing a concert and this young man comes up from the crowd and says, hey, can I play with you? And then just absolutely owns Mozart uh, on the violin. Uh, and that's how this movie starts. Uh, that person is Chevalier. Um, he is often called the Black Mozart um, because he was just as talented and uh, wrote just as many things. However, the unfortunate part of his career, and by the way, this is based on a true story, is that much of his stuff is lost to history because of racism and because uh, I believe when Napoleon took uh, power in France, had a lot of it burned and destroyed. And Fucking Napoleon, uh, let's celebrate him with a huge biopic. <laughs> well, I don't know if the movie celebrates him or not, but it is definitely coming out. Um, 
But anyways, uh, I found this engaging, interesting, well-acted, and well worth your time. I will say I, I had a little difficulty. The rest of the movie doesn't quite live up to that opening, and I don't mean in quality. The rest of the movie is just as great quality-wise. It's just a completely different thing than like the fun energy of that opening scene. The rest of it is a really a look at what like what it was like to be him, to go into that world, to deal with Marie Antoinette and her changing views on race and what it meant for her country and um, some real historical interesting things here uh, and some really great music uh, as well. So um, I think Chevalier is, is definitely worth checking out. Interesting. I feel like that is an area that my uh, education did not touch on uh, enough uh, because I feel like I don't know anything about this guy. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're recommending it, see, that's the problem with being your friend is that you watch <laughs> so I many know. movies I know. that the recommendations never stop. And they pile I, up. I love it, but, you know, it's, it's, it can be a bit much sometimes. Um, but this, my, is one, my, this is one, Jeremy, I would say, like, watch the first 10 minutes. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, you're going to enjoy that whether you watch the rest of the movie or not. Like, fire yeah. it up on Hulu. Watch the first 10 minutes. If you want to stick around, stick around. If it's got you, it's got you. But, like, it's that first 10 minutes is so fun. Interesting. I, I love that. Uh, I love the description of that scene. So I will at least watch the first 10 minutes. Um, my small recommendations this week are both movies. Uh, I know you uh, soft drink fans out there are starving. Uh, so I'll throw you a bone. That, that uh, seasonal Sprite. Winter Spice Cranberry is excellent. All right, mm, my nice. first small recommend is Renfield uh, with the two Nicholases, Nicholas Cage and Nicholas Holt. And I, I am only just now learning this movie is a 58 on Rotten Tomatoes, and what the <laughs> hell? This movie is fun as balls. I had two close friends recommend this to me who, who know my tastes very well, um, and this is a comic horror Everything is over the top. This is the most natural, over the top Nicolas Cage has ever seemed. Um, it's one of the bloodiest movies I've ever seen, but they, it's ridiculous blood. It's, uh, it even looks CG-ish at times. They're not trying to gross you out. I was cackling at all of the blood. Um, Nicholas Holt plays uh, Renfield, Nicholas Cage plays Dracula. Renfield is Dracula's familiar, a human that he has half turned or somewhat turned and has power over him and basically makes him his butler like that episode of Seinfeld. And so Renfield has to go out and bring um, live victims home for Dracula to eat. Uh, and he does this by going to a support group for people in relationships with narcissistic people. Um, and it's a kind, a kind of a fun metaphor play. He, is able to say things like, you know, I have a narcissistic partner that I can't escape and get away from. And all these people are talking about, you know, romantic relationships or, you know, familial relationships. And he is talking about Dracula. So he will, after somebody shares in group, he will, I lost my headphones. He will go out, find the person that is abusive to them and narcissistic with them and drag that person back to Dracula for a meal. Um, Ben Schwartz almost steals this whole movie. He's so hilarious in this movie. <laughs> One of the main bad guys. He oh. is chewing it up. Uh, Aquafina is in this. I generally don't like her performances, but she's really funny in this. Um, it's not long. I just had such a blast. Uh, 
I don't know. I don't know what to say to make you watch this movie. If you don't like blood, maybe don't watch it. Uh, it is violent as all get out. But I was laughing all the way through, beginning to end. It's on Amazon Prime. Renfield it's, is my it's first. It's really funny. It's also clever. Uh, the things it's doing, like you said, uh, with kind of a, a very loose metaphor that it's you know kind of using as part of the story, um, is all clever. Uh, it's directed by our friend Chris McKay. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's that's a bonus as well, uh, like Chris's movies. So, yeah, uh, I agree. Renfield is is a real fun watch. Yeah, it's apparently an average of 2.9 on Letterboxd, or maybe that's what you gave it on Letterboxd. Um, I don't do think like you it. can give a 2.9 on, on Letterboxd. So, uh, that, so that must be the average, average score? That's not good. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I enjoyed this movie a lot. Uh, Aaron? Uh, let's see, my second small recommend, another uh, awards contender that's been out a little bit. It's called A Thousand and One. Um, mm. This is Tiana Taylor, and it's a story of a woman who gets out of prison and then kidnaps uh, her foster child, uh, her child that is in foster care. Mm. And uh, it's really not about that that is just i mean it is and it isn't about that the movie like goes through this young man's life up until almost he's almost out of high school so like it, it expands you know a, a good 12 years of their life together and what they go through um it is a beautiful look at what is family what is the definition of family what is the definition of love how do you love someone in um, in difficult and traumatic circumstances. Um, it also has some very interesting story turns towards the end that I didn't see coming that I uh, appreciated and thought gave a level of nuance and discussion to this movie that it wouldn't have otherwise had. Hmm. Um, you know, you know me, I love uh, a movie where afterwards I'm asking questions and having conversations. It's one of mm -hmm. my favorite things. Um, it's one of the reasons I wanted to talk about Doubt today. That is one of definitely one of those movies. Uh, this is one of those movies as well because of some things that happen uh, towards the end. It is an absolute powerhouse performance by Tiana Taylor in this movie as well. She is so good uh, in this. So, yeah, it's a definitely recommend. A thousand that, and one. This is nearly twice as highly rated on Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> as Renfield. <laughs> Wait, didn't you say Renfield was like 55? Yeah, what what is this, 110? It's 97. <laughs> I said nearly twice. Yeah, this is a 97. Yeah. Uh, yeah, again, another movie that I had never heard of. Uh, and this is why I like the show. And this is why your awards season uh, is a boon to a show like this. Because sure. we all get exposed to movies that we are unaware of. Um, so... Yeah, let yeah. me throw a couple more on the Aaron Recommends stack that grows <laughs> faster than it shrinks. A Thousand and One, um, and by the way, is a reference to the apartment that they live in for most uh, of their uh, life together, which is actually 10-01. Uh, okay. So 10th floor, first apartment. But yeah, uh, That movie appears to be on Amazon Prime, by the it way. It is. It is on Prime. Um, I discovered a movie three or four days ago and messaged Aaron about it privately, and he had never heard of it. Uh, so I feel pretty confident most of you have not heard of this movie. It's a 2023 film called The Starling Girl. Um, unlike Renfield, this is a 92 on Rotten Tomatoes, so you're in pretty good hands. I clicked over to this because Lewis Pullman is in this. That's Bill Pullman's kid who was in um, the hotel movie that I really like, 
with the girl from the Twilight Report. <laughs> <laughs> Bad, Bad times at the El Royale or something? Yes, yeah. Bad times at the El Royale. You knew what I meant. Um, I really like Lewis Pullman. Um, he's also in uh, Top Gun Maverick. Uh, everything that I've seen him in, he's been really good. I think he's going to have a really great career. Uh, but the story here sounded very cheesy cliche hallmark movies because it is about a girl in a church who has an affair with her youth pastor and how uh the church reacts to this um and i really expected either some really generic bland writing or some really tropey story directions and uh the main star here is eliza scanlon you probably know her from either little women or she was the younger sister in Sharp Objects. Um, and she's really talented. And she's playing a 17-year-old girl named Jem Starling. Um, and uh, Lewis Pullman is the preacher's son, comes back into town to be the youth pastor. Uh, and they begin an affair. The movie is not really interested in the sexual stuff. The movie is much more focused on this girl's emotions and feelings uh, this is a very very conservative kentucky area church um for instance when the pastor finds out uh he essentially blames her he's sitting on the couch with her mother and she's across from him and he says did you do anything to make him have impure thoughts um and it's just it's devastating well, it's, his it's his son right it's his son yes um and uh, I think how you feel about this movie is probably going to depend on how you feel about religion or church, maybe. I don't know. I feel like the, the affair is what frees her from feeling like she has to be part of this community for her whole life. That affair awakens something in her that makes her realize, I don't want this. Um, and, um, yeah, I think most of you know I have my own baggage with... Uh, religion and church and conservative upbringings and preachers but man the acting in this movie blew me away uh i want to go back to it and watch it with my wife we both grew up uh, pretty religious families um but again it's not it's not illicit it's not interested in that approach to this kind of event it's much more interested in how uh she starts to view her own future um and uh yeah i really connected to it a lot and it is uh on showtime which means if you have a premium subscription to YouTube, Hulu, Sling, Amazon, what have you, uh, you'll be able to watch it. On Paramount Plus uh, oh, Paramount is where Plus. I watched it. Okay, excellent. Um, oh, you did watch it? Yes, yes, I did. How did you and, feel about it? Uh, I loved it. I think this is an amazing movie. Uh, I, you know, there, there are moments when you come from, um, you know, especially a, a pastor's home uh, growing up religious, you learn to identify... Uh, some really annoying traits of Christians. <laughs> and yeah. this movie really got those right. Um, there's a scene early on where a woman um, comes to her with a learning moment. Jeremy mm -hmm. comes to her, wants to give her a learning moment. Her bra is showing through her shirt, mm -hmm. Jeremy. Yeah. And the, the reaction of the character who is in this indoctrination already is this combination of oh my goodness i didn't know and also my body is my shame 
And like, it's the movie is so good about understanding the unhealthy parts of the ways that people of faith in the past have interpreted what are the rules, what is what is sin, what is holiness, like, and the way that that impacts people as they're growing up, um, and the way it impacts this girl as she's figuring out who she is, as she's starting to deal with sexual desire, and like, every time it's like, she has to pray about it and be like, God, you know, deliver me from this very natural thing that all humans go through, like, you know, like, just the the way that religion has used, uh, you know, sexual repression and rules. Um, that bra to... lady even says th the reason she's telling her is that it might be a temptation to the boys or the men Correct. who Correct. see it. Yes. And that and that's a running theme. Like you even mentioned it with the conversation later. The running yeah. theme is about it's the woman's fault for tempting the man. Uh, the movie, uh, the thing I love about the movie is something you've kind of already touched on. The movie's not interested in the tabloidiness of it all. Right. It's not interested in the youth pastor has sex with a teenager of it all, right? Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't play that up in a lot of ways. Like it doesn't make the youth pastor like leering or evil. It makes him horny and bad. Like it doesn't sugarcoat that he is abusing her. Like yeah. there, there are moments where it's very clear that he is using his power to, you know, pressure her into something but it also gives her a little bit of agency to you know be able to see this character as you know somebody who has their own wants and desires but is so confused and trying to figure things out and then what i love about the movie uh, as well is it somehow manages to end hopefully like mm. you come out of this movie and you feel kind of a little bit of hope for for this young woman i so, do yeah um, so yeah, anyhow, uh, I highly recommend it, uh, whether you've been in the, you know, the church or not, uh, I think it's a, a very, I just think it's a very true way to look at it. It just feels very like almost documentary ish in the way that it presents it. Well, to um, be clear, youth pastors sleeping with one of their teens is common. Not in any way am I saying it is morally I'm just saying that happens. It happens a lot. I know three or four people that that happened with just in my own life. Um, and I think we could do a whole podcast on why. And I think a lot of it is the intimacy that you have when you, when you talk with Jesus or about Jesus with people in emotional settings can be confused when the hormones are running for it's other also feelings. repression. It's also straight repression for these these men who, you know, yeah. have ha, feel guilty about their desires and their thoughts and have nowhere to outlet that. And yeah, so there's... I didn't even think about the fact that I picked this on the same day. We we're going to talk about doubt, which dives into <laughs> yes. you know religion. Oh, I thought about and... it a lot while I was watching. It. <laughs> That's yeah. wild. Um, all right. Anyway, I think we have talked enough about this. I'm so yes. glad you enjoyed it. Uh, the Starling Girl on Showtime. It's time now for this week's. Big recommend. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand. 
and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. I'm fine, I'm fine. It's just that you're so big. It's so huge. It's a good rule, but this is bigger than rules. It's bigger on the inside. Is it? I noticed. Take it away, Aaron. Mm. All right, we're going to talk about doubt. Um, a comedy full of hijinks uh <laughs> lots of fun uh this is a stage play uh that was very lauded won awards lots of tonys for the performers and and all of it it comes to us as mentioned in a previous small recommend i think even last week uh as the first movie uh that um and i, I don't have his name up in front of me it, Anyways, um, anyways, the guy who directed Joe versus the Volcano, this is his first movie directing after that. He wrote the stage play and then wanted to direct the film. Uh, landed an absolutely astonishing cast uh, and also landed uh, what um, Roger Deakins for cinematography and Howard Shore for the music. So this had, you know, uh, quite a pedigree even going in i think one of the producers was going for some awards uh i think and, so and they yeah. got him <laughs> yeah uh john patrick shanley uh is the guy's name anyhow we start with a message a sermon a homily if you will from father flynn who's played by philip seymour hoffman as he talks about you know what doubt let's talk about doubt in fact the very first line he has in this movie is what do you do when you're not sure and that sets us up for kind of what we're going to experience um so he talks about how doubt and faith are kind of the same thing and that they can unify people that doubt can unify and faith can unify we meet Sister Aloysius that is played by Meryl Streep. Uh, she is keeping the kids in line. And then we also meet Sister James, played by Amy Adams, who sneezes. That's how we meet, uh, meet that character. Uh, we get a sense for the Amy Adams character that she is young, naive, and just kind of learning her way uh, in the world. Uh, we also meet a young boy named Donald Miller um and he goes to father flynn afterwards compliments the sermon and is given a gift uh from uh father flynn the next section of the movie uh i'm going to call the dragon is hungry <laughs> and we get a real sense for meryl streep and the way she has a handle as principal of this school that father flynn is the the pastor of 
um, or one of the the pastors or I'm not sure exactly how the organizational the org chart. Not sure of the org chart here, but uh, but well, he would be above everyone, including her, right? Uh, right. From a hierarchy standpoint, yeah. So we get a sense that the character is a strict enforcer, has a killer Boston accent, uh, and uh, Adams is this naive, fresh soul. Um, she becomes concerned when she sees a boy pull away from Father Flynn in the courtyard, and then tells her sisters to be alert to suspicious activity in the school. Uh, she does not want to go into detail, but she has suspicions about Father Flynn. Uh, the next section I'm calling it takes a cat. Uh, this is Donald. You named all the sections of the movie. Well, there's these great lines in the movie. They're all they lines are. from the movie, and it's just they. It's so interesting how he has these quotes that kind of sum up that section of the movie. Yeah. Um, so uh, Donald Miller is called to the rector or uh, rectory from class. He returns to class upset. We later find out that the Amy Adams character smells alcohol on his breath. Later, she sees Flynn putting uh, one of Donald's undershirts back in his locker. Um, so now with the with uh, Sister Aloysius kind of ringing in her ears, pay attention, she is seeing something. So she tells Aloysius, uh, who is now absolutely sure that something is going on. Um, and, uh, and, you know, she says it takes a cat. And it's yes, yes, it does. Uh, the next section I'm calling The Wind Has Changed, uh, which is another quote from the movie. Uh, Sister Aloysius and James invite Flynn into the office. This is the confrontation. Uh, they're su supposedly there to discuss the Christmas pageant, but the real discussion turns out to be about his activities with Donald Miller. Um, the discussion turns to if the church should change or stay the same. You know, he wants a new progressive church. Uh, she is more like things work the way they are. Flynn says they eventually get to the actual issue at hand. And uh, Father Flynn says, did you call me in here to talk about the Christmas pageant or to talk about this? In one of the best line deliveries in the entire movie, Meryl Streep looks at him and goes, this. <laughs> like, and that is that character that it's just like, yeah, I'm just going to say it. Uh, so then they start talking about it. Flynn says he's been keeping it quiet to protect Donald and begs her not to push any further. She continues to push, uh, and he eventually says that Donald was stealing the wine, and now he's going to have to reveal or relieve him from being an altar boy because he was stealing the wine. Um, so uh, Sister James, the Amy Adams character, is greatly relieved to hear this she's like oh it all makes sense now mm. it all we put it all together everything he said lines up that's why the alcohol was on his breath all of this works it's all cleared up and then uh father flynn's next sermon is about gossip <laughs> and what is a really interesting moment in the movie and i guess we can call this next section feathers Mm. Uh, is he does this analogy of gossip to stabbing a pillow on top of a rooftop and then trying to clean up all the feathers that the wind has blown away. He says that's gossip, and otherwise you can't you can't put it back in the box. It's mm. it's out. There's no way to recapture the things that you've said and the way that it's spread. Um, and the interesting thing I find uh, about this scene is we also see this visual. It's not just that we hear him talking about it. Usually in the movie, it's just talking. But here we actually get a representation of the feathers flowing around and being uh, unable to be contained. 
Um, so he tells this story about gossip. Unconvinced Aloysius meets with Donald's mother. This is the next step. Uh, Donald's mother played by Viola Davis. She has one speaking scene. Viola Oscar winning Davis. I'm coming for your awards, Davis. I have one <laughs> scene and I'm going to steal a whole movie, Davis. It's, it's insane how good she is in this scene. Uh, she uh, goes to her and is shocked at Viola Davis's response as a mother, basically saying, I don't want to know what's going on. This is a good situation for my son. Yeah. He is somebody that's protecting him, somebody that's looking out for him. She reveals in a roundabout way uh, that he's likely a homosexual. Mm -hmm. And so that he has dealt with so much bullying and he's something about if he was left in his old school, he'd have been killed by now. Like mm -hmm. she, she wants what's best for her son and just wants him to get to June. She pleads for Sister Aloysius not to bring him into it. If she wants to get rid of Father Flynn, get rid of Father Flynn, but please don't make this about my son because his father will kill him if he mm -hmm. you know, finds out you know, anything about this. And basically again says, um, you know, uh, let him have, I think she even says the words, let him have him then. Like a mother about the son because her priority is the protection of her son and she doesn't see this anything going on. That it really, not to cut you off on your on your rhythm no, here, but it really turns you on your ear to, I mean, we don't, I don't think we stop to think when we talk about Catholic priest abuse. I don't think we ever stop to think about this kind of perspective. Right. Ever. And I'm and, and not, not saying, I'm not saying we should dwell on that because it's probably pretty rare, but I mean, the way the movie lays it out, the way Mrs. Miller lays it out, you kind of understand she makes her husband out to seem far worse than what is going on at the school. And so right. from her perspective, if, if the only goal is protecting my son, but man, it's a punch in the gut. Like you're just not expecting it. Yeah. Uh, the next scene uh, I'm going to call, I will decide what's important. Uh, mm. And uh, in the beginning of the scene, she says that about a bunch of papers that, you know, blow around and father Flynn, uh, comes to confront her about seeing the mother, and um, and she says, uh, he says, you know, that's not important right now. And she says, I will decide what's important, and we mm. get the double meaning in that. Um, and so he confronts her about having that meeting, um, and she informs him that she contacted somebody from his previous parish, and he says, who was it? Did you talk to the pastor there? She says, no, it was one of the nuns. He said, you should have talked to the pastor. Um, and continues to deny everything. Um, he demands to know if she has any proof, if she has anything that is any kind of proof, and she admits that all she has is her certainty. She then threatens she will do whatever it takes to force him out, even if it means being thrown out of the church herself. Mm. Um, so she has laid down the lines. Um, then the next uh, the next moment uh, I have labeled "Where's your compassion?" Nowhere you can get at it. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you did that because I was about to bring that line up. <clears throat> that line is so good. Uh, Aloysius threatens blackmail if he doesn't resign immediately. Um, he kind of is in a no-win situation at this point, and uh, you know we still don't know. As far as the movie gives us facts, what has happened here? Um, but we do know that either way, he is ruined if he stays. 
uh, because she is uh, on a mission uh, to to make it be known. So uh, if he if he stays, he's in trouble. So he leaves. Uh, he maintains that he's done nothing wrong, um, but he does uh, uh, request a transfer um, and then delivers a sermon about the wind taking him away. And then finally, uh, we get a scene between Aloysius and uh, Sister James, uh, which I'm labeling maybe we're not supposed to sleep so well. Mm. Um, and this is where she basically tells James uh, that she made up the story about calling the nuns. Um, to her, the resignation was the confession. She be still believes that she's right because he resigned. Uh, James still believes he's innocent um, and is shocked that she lied, uh, but Aloysius restates in the pursuit of wrongdoing one steps away from God and then breaks down and ends the movie with, I have doubts. I have such doubts. And I don't know that we're exactly supposed to know what she has doubts about. Um, but let's get into it. Jeremy certainly implied she has doubts about whether or not Father Flynn was guilty. Whether that is one of the interpretations, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hit me with another. Another is that she has doubts about her faith in general, that she has doubts about the whole thing, um, that, she, that she is doubting her own um, idea of uh, what it takes to uh, do the right thing. Um, hmm. So, yeah. Hmm. It's another inter interpretation that, that I have heard people talk about. But yes. Hmm. Hmm. That's why everybody's interpretation is valid, um, except for yours. Um, <laughs> uh, boy, do I love this movie. Um, yeah. I've seen it, I don't know, seven or eight times now by, by now. Um, it's just an actor's showcase. Um, and we, we've said this before with some other films like Lady Bird. Like, it helps that the guy that wrote this uh, lived some of this. He There's a character in this film, uh, Hurley. Let me find his name. Warren Hurley, not Warren Hurley, Jimmy Hurley. He's like the kid that, uh, I'm trying to remember what his scene is. Uh, he's in three or four scenes. He's got a grumpy face. Uh, and uh, Shanley has said that's that's him. Everything that that character does in this in this movie, mm -hmm. he he did. He went through. Um, they shot some of the exteriors at the actual Catholic school where the director went. Mm -hmm. um, and so again, we have a deeply personal uh, story with a with a rich understanding of the subject matter uh, and the era. And I think it really shows uh, in the end result. It's wild how many people they considered for, for some of these roles. Like Tom Hanks was considered for the main priest role. Mm -hmm. Not sure that would have worked. But again, we're always playing hindsight when we, when we think about these things. And Sigourney Weaver uh, was one of the ones they approached for Aloysius, or not approached, but talk, talked about. Uh, it just feels like they they landed on the perfect actor in every single role. Let's see. I have some lines that I really like. Uh, I love the line Mrs. Miller says where she says, Sister, I don't know if you and me are on the same side. I'll be standing with my son and those who are good to my son. It'd be mm. nice to see you there. Mm. Uh, that puts in to perfect light that she is not doing this. Aloysius is not necessarily doing this for Donald or for the betterment of Donald. She has, she is, I, I think, fairly, fairly selfishly pursuing a conviction she has, of, of which she has no proof. And I, I, I used to, 
this time through has changed some of my opinions about this Ooh, movie. Ooh, I love it. Nice. Not in a bad way. I, I, I still appreciate it, but just in, in how I interpret it. My, a week ago, I would have told you this movie has no interest in whether or not Father Flynn is guilty. Um, it really doesn't want to address that. Okay. I'm not sure I believe that anymore, especially after I read that the director told the actor who played Flynn on the stage and in the film whether or not Flynn was guilty, but told no one, no one else. else. I don't no think any reason. of those people have spoken out about what they were told either. No. So there is an answer, is what you're saying. That's my point. There, if there is an answer, then I think it has to be that he was guilty. Mm, Watching the movie this time through, I am almost free of my doubt that he is guilty. Uh, the two things that stand out to me are calling a child to the rectory. The rectory is the priest's residence. This is his home. Mm -hmm. This is where he lives. And I recognize this is a different era, but there is no reason whatsoever for a student to be called for an, a one-on-one -on -one meeting in the priest's home. Uh, even if the priest's explanation is he drank altar wine, yada, yada, I was trying to help. But that is... For I mean, that is the who, explanation, is he was trying to protect him. Like, he was trying to keep For a man it. who goes on and on the whole movie about Catholic procedures and mm -hmm. doing the right order of things and the right, like, sure, that is highly suspicious to me. And then when we see him put the shirt back in the locker, there, that seals it for me. There's no explanation I can come up with where he would be in possession of Donald's T-shirt and put it back in there for him. I know we see him as the gym teacher at one point. Um, I'm not buying it. This time through has sold me on the fest. You know what did it? You know what did it? At the end of the movie, there's this throwaway line Sister Aloysius says about how he got he got a better parish. He's got a larger parish. He basically got a promotion after this. And that is what the Catholic Church did all throughout the 1900s as they turned yep. a blind eye to abuse. They would just move them to a different and often bigger parish. And that, to me, felt like the director saying, Maybe just to me. Maybe I was the only one that heard it. But yeah, this is what what you need to know uh, that that he was he was guilty. I still think Aloysius is wrong as hell throughout most of this movie and what she does, despite her motivations maybe being pure. Um, I, I think the only like good-hearted, good person of the main characters is Amy Adams's character. Uh, and that is probably speaks more to her innocence and youth than anything else. I feel like the movie suggests that she'll eventually turn into an Aloysius because the institution is just drives you there. Mm. Um, sure. I don't know. I've rambled a bunch. Have I said anything that you want to uh, counter? <laughs> oh, I, I, just, I, these are the discussions I find interesting. You know, it, you know, you say the the movie isn't interested in whether he did it or not. I think I would rephrase that to say the movie is primarily interested in whether he did it or not it's not interested in giving you the clear answer right like there's the 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 clear question you're supposed to ask coming out of this movie is do you think he did it right like that is there is there is this because what that question leads to is a real exploration of um just the ideas of justice in general like, for instance, our court system is supposed to work on innocent until proven guilty, right? right. That's how it's <clears throat> supposed to work. We decided to do it that way so that we would err on the side of not locking away people who didn't do things, right? Like, that's the idea is that you want to err on the side of letting people get away with stuff. That's what that means. And so what is the getting away with stuff level where you're like, I'm not 
I'm not uh, I'm I'm not willing to err on the side of letting them get away with it. You know what I mean? And in this case, if it's abuse of a child, aren't most of us going to go? You know what? Um, I know innocent until proven guilty, but this is too important. You know what mm. I mean? Like you can you can feel like I think she I, I would agree with you that I think she's wrong in what she's doing with the amount of quote unquote proof she has, which is none. But there is this level of internal asking what, you know, I am now erring on the side of protecting Donald Miller, right? And so the idea then becomes, he's fine. He went to another church. If he didn't do it, I, I know at least I've got him out of here because it might have been a possibility. So, like, I think the movie gives you an opportunity to see it from her side, to, to really feel the pain of that certainty um that that she has that something is going on um so it's always interesting for me to hear like somebody like you've just said say no it's i i think i'm convinced now because i you know i don't know i think the movie almost clearly gives us clues both ways intentionally um and i find that very very interesting um you know, there are, the movie is, I just, I made a list of like little things you can interpret one way or another. Uh, okay. There's the hallway hug, right? Mm -hmm. There's this hug in the hallway. Is he being supportive of this child or is there something more intimate and deep uh, there? Um, when Amy Adams confronts her, she said, uh, the light um, blows and she says, you blew out my light. And then it happens again when Father Flynn uh, confronts her as well. It goes out again. Is the movie trying to tell us, you know, like that means that she's wrong because that light is going out anytime uh, mm. that somebody comes up against her. You have uh, Donald Miller at the beginning saying, am I fat? What does that mean, Jeremy? Why is he asking about his physical appearance? Is it just because he's preoccupied by it? Has somebody said something? Um, his dad probably said something. So, you know, what, what does that mean? Um, the wind immediately blowing after the conversation with the mom and uh, Meryl Streep having to struggle against it to get back to the school. Wind. They ha the wind plays a crucial role in this movie. Yeah, and oftentimes in religion, God is the wind. Like, that's literally the Holy Spirit. Spirit literally means wind. Like Thank it's you, Billy you know, Graham. <laughs> so, so the idea that she is fighting against quote unquote metaphorically God after this conversation. Um, I don't know. That's an intentional clue of something, or at least most, you know, supposed well, to make earlier. Us... They have like a windstorm and, and Aloysius says, I've never seen such a wind or something like mm -hmm. that. Right. And I, I don't think that's a coincidence with what's going on in the school right about that moment. And then Flynn's final sermon, as you mentioned in your recap is about the wind taking him mm -hmm. somewhere else. Yes. Maybe what her doubts are, I'm thinking just now, because I'm the one that pointed out how she says he got he got a bigger post after this. Maybe mm. her doubt is that she effectively just sent him to a place where there are more victims for him to victimize. If what she thinks is true is true, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And so maybe her doubts are maybe the greater good wouldn't have been to drive him out of here. Like... It, gets, it starts to get murky real quick when you start diving down what Aloysius might be thinking. Mm -hmm. But When Aloysius re-enters the school after that conversation, it is one of the only Dutch angles in the movie. 
um, mm-hmm. and really gives you a sense of uneasiness as she kind of goes back into the school. Um, whatever I've done, I've left in the hands of my confessor. We are the same uh, mm-hmm. is a really interesting conver- uh, conversation for them to have. I think he confronts her about, have you ever you know, done anything wrong, had a mortal sin, that kind of thing. Um, the, the dual reactions of the children in the sanctuary when he says he's going somewhere else. Mm. The one child smiles. The I forget the kid's name, the one that pulled away, that she saw pull away. Mm-hmm. And then Donald Miller looks forlorn and, mm. and sad. Um, that's intentional to give us those two reactions as like, you know, I mean, in, the, in, the, in the kid that's smiling is a troublemaker. He's a troublemaker. He's somebody that give himself a bloody nose so he wouldn't have to go to school. You know what I mean? Like, so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think you have to confront the idea that in it's possible this priest is abusive and Donald cares for him. Sure. That is absolutely one of the possibilities. Absolutely. That's hard for me to reconcile with, but that is probably the case in a lot of clergy abuse situations. Well, it's the same in the Starling Girl. Right, like that is that is the idea of the Starling Girl that we talked about. This is an abusive situation of a person in power, yeah. in fact, a pastor, who is abusing a member of their congregation that is underage, um, and that member of the congregation sees it as love, sees it as intimacy, sees it as beautiful, and that they're meant to be together. So it is absolutely a possibility. Uh, another possibility that's been mentioned in the chat and that uh, has been thought of. Uh, as well is the idea that his his what his struggle is that is he is gay and not necessarily abusive but that in the church in dealing with what it means to be gay um that he is a being a mentor to donald in that way um and that that's a possibility uh so you know because that is something he wouldn't be able to talk about, he wouldn't be in that mortal sin conversation would make sense with that. He's talking about, you know, this idea that that's his mortal sin and he's trying to uh, get over it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's to me, I don't think the movie gives a clear answer, uh, but I, I think the conversations are interesting because what the movie allows you to do is to put yourself in many different situations and process the the ethical, moral ramifications of those things. The situation mm. of somebody who believes somebody has done something wrong but doesn't have proof. What is the moral, ethical ramification if you pursue that anyway? Is that a good thing? Is that not a good thing? Where is your line on that? If you are a person who, um, you know, somebody thinks has done something and you're innocent, like, how do you proclaim your innocence in a place of certainty against you? Um, like, all of those things are really interesting to think about. That's one of the other things that sells me on it, man, is that he, if he hadn't done anything wrong, I think it'd be a lot easier for him to blow off that initial interrogation. But he's defensive almost immediately. Mm-hmm. And the chat is also espousing this idea, and I like this concept, that maybe he something was wonky there, but he didn't necessarily abuse Donald. Um, that's a possibility for, mm-hmm. for sure. But something inappropriate happened, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, when I watch this movie two years from now, I'll probably change my mind and go back <laughs> the other direction. I'm fascinated by the Frosty the Snowman bit where... I had that written down too. 
he wants to he wants to do Frosty the Snowman as a more contemporary thing for the Christmas program, uh, and Aloysius doesn't want to do it. Um, and then later they're talking. Um, Aloysius says, Frosty the Snowman espouses a pagan belief in magic. The snowman comes to life when an enchanted hat is put on his head. If the music were more somber, people would realize the images are disturbing and the song heretical. And Sister James naively goes, I never thought about Frosty the Snowman like that. <laughs> but this reminds me of my youth where, well, you know, we'd, we'd accepted Frosty the Snowman by the 80s. But, you know, my upbringing like we weren't supposed to go to movies we weren't supposed to play with face cards we weren't supposed to dance all of those were the same as this frosty the snowman like we don't want a slippery it's slope the smurfs. For... it's the smurfs yeah yeah it's the smurfs <laughs> it's, harry it's potter ex- when it first came out yeah it's 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 amazing um and did yeah, you and know then azriel means satan's helper did you <laughs> i love the the exchange after that where james is trying to stand up for flynn and says you just don't like it you don't like that he uses a ballpoint pen you don't like that he <laughs> takes three lumps of sugar in his tea you don't like that he likes frosty the snowman and you're letting that convince you of something that's just terrible and then she kind of trails off and goes well i like frosty the snowman <laughs> which i'm laughing but for her in that moment is probably a pretty daring thing to say given mm-hmm. What she knows about Aloysius' position, Aloysius' positions. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, any, any other points we want to make before we? Yeah, I got a couple. The... I got a okay. few. Um, I wanted to mention uh, another another point in the Aloysius is a strict demon principle category, uh, where she's like cough drops, candy by another name. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, the cough drops are candy. That's well, amazing. okay. To her defense, there is one brand of cough drops, I think it's Luden's, that is mm-hmm. just candy. There's Fair. no mentholipus yeah. in there Fair. or anything. Um, and we don't know what brand she's talking about. But yes, that's how she, that, that breaks down who she is, how she sees the world. Everything is a potential threat. Correct. Uh, I love the little moments in this. I think there are little touches of humor that allow us a little relief as we're going through these deep thinking you know, parts. Uh, the picture trick that she gives her, she's like, put the, the picture of the Pope up here. And she's like, why? That's not even like the Pope right now. She's like, it's not about the Pope. It's about the reflective glass where you can see what's going on in the rest of the class. And they think you have eyes in the back of your head. I thought that was really, really funny. Yep. Um, the, uh, the, the way the movie treats the sisters, like the waking of the sisters, the eating mm. of the sisters, um, just kind of the silence of the dinner where they're all just eating. And then that moment where she pulls out some gristle and she gets a look from Aloysius and then she puts the gristle back in her mouth. <laughs> it's like the control that she has on them is just, uh, is just amazing. It's like, Oh, I guess I'm supposed to eat this. Um, the long stretches of dialogue are, are genius. I love that. Um, it never feels it never feels boring to me or slow, even though it's very talky, um, and and that's good stuff. I love the the way the shades are used, almost like an interrogation light, where she opens the shades and almost it becomes this interrogation, you know, tactic that like police use on suspects, mm. and uh, then he goes and he closes them later. The I think one of the best choices in the movie is the ringing phone during the accusation. It mm. just adds this extra level of discomfort and like will somebody please answer that phone yeah but nobody does it just keeps ringing during the accusation we never find out who was calling it eventually just stops ringing like it's literally 
uh, a, a dramatic use. It's a tension builder and it's just a ringing phone and it works so, so well. Um, so I wanted to mention that. Um, and then some of the other questions I come out of this movie asking are questions, uh, not just the central question of did he do it, but like other questions like what constitutes guilt? Um, what constitutes certainty? Like when, like, uh, I, I famously have come to a point in my life where I don't believe I'm certain of anything. Well, I'm certain of one thing and that's that I'm only certain of one thing. Um, and so like certainty is this really interesting concept to me because people see it as strength. They see certainty as strength. And this, the way this movie plays with that is, is, uh, really fascinating I think, to me. I mean, I don't want to derail us this close to the end of the show, <laughs> but I think the movie is making points about faith, like faith yes. itself, the religion right. itself, like her being so certain she's right mm -hmm. faith religion requires you to have that level of certainty uh, and i also think it's interesting that the movie bookends doubt it opens with doubt being a good thing that you can mm -hmm. feel good about and it ends with doubt seeming to be a devastating thing. right right and uh and yeah so i come away asking a lot of fun uh questions fun fun for me uh because i love thinking about those kind of things but um but yeah yeah uh i if it's possible, love this movie even more after watching it again uh, in detail like this. It's so good. I, I wrote down a quote I forgot to say, and then we'll go into the SSDF. Yeah, sure. um, but uh, in the sermon, I, I'm always shocked by how rude the priest, the, the Irish priest is to the, the woman because he says, mm. you ignorant, badly brought up female. <laughs> and it always stands out to me as like, well, what a misogynist that Father well, O'Malley was. Yeah, it's that it's that Irish priest caricature, you know, um, yeah. that he does. He does the full Irish accent and everything, yeah. Um, so, uh, super secret double features. Yeah, it's what do you got? Be very, very quiet. Secret? What secret? A dirty little secret. I tell you something I've never told anyone. I, I made up my mind pretty early on not to go with something Catholic. Um, okay. The most obvious one, which I also watched recently, would be Spotlight, mm. uh, which I think shows, um, you know, the other end of this. Uh, <clears throat> like finding the proof, getting the yes. proof. Yes, yeah. topically. Uh, but like Slab says in the chat, that's low hanging. Uh, I don't want to go with that. Uh, I also considered the novitiate, which I mentioned recently, um, which again deals with uh, uh, Catholic um head non resistant to change um in the end what i decided to try and capture with my double feature was two powerhouses not only as actors but as individuals squaring off over something they completely disagree on and there's not any proof so wildly after you watch doubt i'm gonna queue up crimson tide whoa <laughs> which is what probably the wildest super secret double feature I've ever had. But once I got that in my head, I could not stop seeing Denzel and Gene Hackman in Seymour Hoffman and uh, Streep. Um, they clash repeatedly over this. Neither one of them has any proof who is right. And we get some really great acting. Um, so yes, tonal shift. You know, you're going to have a little tonal whiplash with this super secret double feature. But I think once you sit in it for a bit, you're going to see that it makes sense. I think it makes a lot of sense, actually. 
So there you go, Crimson Tide. <laughs> lots of commentary about faith. Uh, actually, it does have a lot of commentary about certainty and uh, doubt. It does. So, um, <clears throat> all right, uh, we are running short on time. Let's get to next week's homework. Um, and I am choosing Nimona, a Netflix movie that came out several months ago that I cried watching and I adored. I, it was a happy cry. Don't be too worried. Um, and we briefly discussed as a small recommend on this show a few months back. I haven't seen it since. I'm excited to get back into it. I wanted to do something a little less heavy, but I'm not sure I succeeded. Um, and uh, yeah, I think this is on, this is a Netflix original. So this should be on yeah. Netflix all over the world. Um, and I feel like I'm forgetting something. What was I going to say? Not sure. I will say if you somehow have not seen anything about this movie, go in blind i think this movie more than a lot of movies really rewards a fresh viewing without any kind of context um yeah, there I are some things the story does that i think really reward not knowing what's going on i agree yeah. i agree i went in pretty blind uh, i remembered what i was going to say and that's that i think next week we're recording on a different day am i correct that is correct yes so we need to let everybody know who comes to the live recording that next week november I can't see that month on my calendar. November 8th, 8th is Wednesday, yes. November 8th, Wednesday. We will be recording on Wednesday at mm -hmm. 11 Central Standard next week. Afternoon, no, I think we decided. At 2 p.m., yes. right? Yes. 2 p.m. Central Standard next Wednesday afternoon. Hopefully that'll allow most of you to come back or maybe even let some other people come in uh, who don't get to join us on Tuesdays. Um, but yes, next week we'll be on Wednesday for live recording. Your homework is Nimona on Netflix. For Aaron Dicer, this is Jeremy Scott. We'll see you next time. See you guys. Be a part of the live show by being a member of the Sin Club at Patreon at patreon.com slash cinemasins. Chat with us on the Cinemasins Discord at discord.gg slash cinemasins or Cinemasins Twitter at cinemasins and email any comments or questions to recotopia at cinemasins.com. That's R-E-C-O-T-O-P-I-A at cinemasins.com. I was uh, a regular at a coffee shop a year or so ago for about six months. And after about three weeks, uh, one of the gals back there said, hey, the huge. It's like, man, I've made it. Like, <laughs> That's right. There was, a, there was a podcast I listened to that got into this big argument about when somebody orders the usual. that They were nitpicking, uh, which can you imagine somebody nitpicking one of their favorite shows or, or movies? Yeah. Just, just Who would rude. ever do that? Um, but uh, but yeah, they were nitpicking this uh, this show they watch, and one of the nitpicks was they asked for the usual. I'll just have the usual, and they just brought him a beer. And they said, hmm. "You don't ask for the usual unless it's something like strange or unique or weird." And I'm thinking, no, the usual just means whatever you usually get. Why does it have to be like? Why couldn't it be like a certain type of beer or something? Like, I don't know. It was That's weird. it was a weird conversation to me. I was like. There's a subset of people that believe the usual means it has to be like a unique drink or food item or something. Uh, no, it should be what you get every time you come in. Right. That's what I thought, too. So, anyways. Yeah, that's dumb. <laughs> Glad to bring some dumb to your life. Oh, I was just going to say I have a least favorite uh, advertising trend. 
Oh, oh, well, they're all bad, but what's what's your least favorite recent one? I, it has been building over the years. Do you play many mobile games? No. Like on your phone? I played okay. that bubble game you told me about for like four days. Okay. And I, just, I, I just don't so, go to my phone for games. So some mobile games, they depend on, you know, you watching these ads every once in a while for like a different mobile game, right? Look, I did play er, the original Angry Birds back in the day, okay. and I remember that happening. So um, the new so, yeah. the new trend with mobile games is they will show you the ad, and they've been doing this for a while, and it annoys me every time. They will show you the ad that is gameplay of their game, and then the stupidest possible human ever playing the game. So, like, there are these, you know, like, word games or whatever where you have to find the words, and it'll be the most obvious thing ever and the person in the example is like, you know, sp spell dumb. D O M uh, D D U B Q. Huh. Like it's the, like it's the worst. And the idea is, and it probably works. They've probably got research to show it works. Is that you feel like, oh, I'm so much smarter than that person. I would rule at this game. I will feel amazing hmm. at this game. There's this. Hmm. There's this. Uh, this one where it's like a you know match you know five in a row and the row disappears you know kind of thing and you're trying to save yeah. this king from drowning or whatever and so when you match it opens up space that the water goes into whatever you're trying to do and it gets to the end and there's this very obvious move that will save the king and the person just clicking around the screen doing a whole bunch of dumb stuff and it's like it's purposefully dumb to make you feel like you're super smart and want to play this huh. game. It's a it's just this weird trend and it's on all of them now. They're all like that. I hate the way this stuff works. My my latest advertising trend that is uh, I'm probably going to break something <laughs> is that for about a week and a half when I turn on my smart TV, which is a Samsung, uh -huh. instead of going to my cable feed, which is what it did for the first 2 years that I owned it. Mm -hmm. It starts playing somewhere in the middle of an episode of Hell's Kitchen. What? And so the first time this happened, I was like, what channel did I leave it on last night that's playing Hell's Kitchen? And I went to hit the guide button and nothing changed on the screen until I picked up my TV remote and hit the home button and all my options popped up below. So this TV is serving me ads before, and I have to manually cycle through to click to my cable mm. box. That's irritating. What's baffling is why it's starting in the middle of Hell's Kitchen's episodes. Like, <laughs> I believe they are intentionally trying to make me think that I'm, this is what's playing on uh -huh. my TV in the hopes that I'll just leave it there. Right. Yeah. And then when I figure out the ruse, I'm hooked. So I'm going to go back to Hell's Kitchen yes, somehow. You got is it. that the plan? Yeah, that's the plan. God, it feels like such a waste of money. <laughs> it feels like I don't know how much it's costing them. I don't know how much Samsung can be making from this. I tweeted about it. Somebody told me a setting to go in and turn off, and I did. But guess what? Didn't stop the behavior. Mm. My LG TV in the other room never does this. Right. So now I'm going to have to get rid of this Samsung and buy an LG. And by the time I do that, LG will have started doing it too. <laughs> I'm waiting for the day where I buy a TV, but then I have to pay monthly for the right to keep using it. Boy, I mean, don't, don't, don't put that into the atmosphere, Jeremy, because it is going to be that way. It is. I mean, everything's going that everything way. Everything is going to be a monthly subscription. It's just going to happen. Yeah. I don't like it, Aaron. <laughs>
it is super annoying and then of course the the other thing um you know anytime there's and and there's you know been a recent tragic passing of a celebrity every time i turn on my tv it's like every channel is something from that celebrity and it's just like can can we not exist in a world where we just everything we do is marketing to take advantage of like a terrible traumatic situation for real people like i mean first of all you're talking about matthew perry and that has hit me harder than any death ever of a person that i didn't personally know i'm surprised how hard that hit me i knew that i identified with him and and that character he Mm -hmm. played on friends uh i didn't know how much but within an hour websites were like here are the best matthew perry moments from the top 10 matthew perry jokes from Mm -hmm. friends and i'm like you vultures you you." (laughs) i know i was so mad i was so mad and there it's only gotten worse like uh, like uh, whoever owns the rights to Friends, I think it's HBO Max, mm-hmm. put like a tribute card in front of every single season opening episode. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why are you doing that? I mean, I get that. That doesn't, you're not making money off that, but you probably are. You probably did that so that people would write headlines about the fact that you did that so that more people would think, oh, HBO Max, that's so nice of them. They really loved Matthew Perry. That's why they're doing that. Mm-hmm. And, like, Nick at Night has decided, oh, we're going to do a tribute to Matthew Perry. And, and I get that, hey, people maybe want to watch his episodes in the wake of his passing to remember his talent, but those episodes are not hard to find, my friends. We don't right. need Nick at Night to do a special tribute. They're just wanting viewers because that's how they make money. It's it's This has been... Again, because I was connected to him stronger than a lot of celebrities, it has felt extra vultury to me this time out. But it happens every single time. Yeah. My thing is people people know where to find their content. You know, like it's it's when when you bring it to the front like that, all you're doing is using something that's in the public consciousness to enact a click, right? Like that's the idea. Yep. You know, it's it's yep. it's a type of clickbait click click farming whatever it's the same thing as when valentine's day arrives tbs plays only the romance based friends episodes that day right they're capitalizing on what your attention is focused on Mm, it's almost like capitalize is a form of capitalism i was asking my friend earlier this morning if now that taylor swift is a billionaire if we have to hate her I think people already <laughs> felt that way. There was a subset of people that already felt like they had to hate her. A subset, yes, but I am conflicted because oh, because there is there is this idea that nobody should have a certain level of wealth. Yes, period. Yes, yes, yes. yeah. No, I get that, and, and yeah. I, I feel like she probably got there in as wholesome and morally justifiable way as anyone who's ever gotten to a billion dollars. But I just feel like, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now, Aaron. If I ever become a billionaire, Mm -hmm. I need you to check me on it. I need you to bring me back to this episode and say, that's too much money, Jeremy. You don't need that. I'll take it off your hands and help you stay pure. I'm, I'm joking. I think Taylor Swift is a really good person. I think her music changes lives, millions of them. And everywhere she has gone on this tour that has banked money, she has given back to local charities in a big way. Uh, she gave back to all of her crew. Um, you know, I don't think she's 
King Midas up there hoarding all the gold <laughs> coins or anything. It's just she's probably going to do more good with her money than Jeff Bezos will with his. But still, should anybody be that wealthy? Should we have to? What do we? Why? Why? It why depends. Are we doing I mean, this? it depends on your worldview, right? Like, I mean, if you if you believe it should be a completely open market, free market system, then yes, people should be able to be as wealthy as they ever want to be. Like, that's the free market, right? Like, if that's your founding principle, then you're going to go that way. But if your founding principle is more of let's as a community help each other out, let's you know uh, whatever the case may be, um, I don't know. You know, you you may see the world differently, but it's, yeah, your worldview is going to determine how you feel about that. Absolutely. Sure. When I was 25 years old and people would talk about Walmart uh, putting mom and pop shops out of business, my younger self would say, they're not breaking any rules. It's right. just capitalism. Right. Uh, and now, as a, as a not 25-year-old, almost twice that now, I look back and I was like, man, what a corporate monster they are. They just, <laughs> like, I can't see any good... Like, I can't defend them at all now. So, yeah, worldview, absolutely. It's crazy that anyone ever thinks they've figured stuff out, yeah. right? Like, my 25-year-old self was like, this, I got this. I got this. <laughs> Do you use Microsoft Notepad? No. Okay, so I use Notepad because it's uh, format-free um, text. Mm -hmm. uh, so, unlike Word, uh, it's just... It just just plain text. Yeah. Uh, and I like the simplicity of it. But since my last Windows update, every time I close it, the next time I open it, it opens the previous tab and then a new tab. So it's like not letting me actually ever close a tab. Hmm. It has... I don't understand Weird. why it's doing that. It's driving me crazy. So there's too much formatting for you like in uh, Google Docs? Like just a Google Doc there you just type text in? I don't use Google Docs. I have I use Word if I'm going to like if I'm writing a book or mm -hmm. a short story, uh, I'll use Microsoft Word. But if I'm doing show notes or anything that I might want to copy and paste somewhere else, mm -hmm. um, I, I do it in Notepad because when you copy and paste in Notepad, uh, strips all the formatting. So like, right? Uh, I'll, I get that. I'll take yeah. Okay, so I'll take a recipe from. New York Times, copy right. all the text. If I throw that into Word, it's going to chug my machine for a few minutes, and it's going to bring in all the images, all the formatting, all the hyperlinks. Yeah, I've uh, just learned to left-click, paste without formatting. That's what I usually do. Left-click, paste without formatting? Yeah, you God, can paste. See, I'm, here I'm learning something new, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry.